Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're talking about why cold callers fail with my friend, Chris Jolly. Hi, Chris. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me back again. I really look forward to this conversation today. Chris, you were getting all fired up when we were prepping for this. I was. We both were. Exactly. (laughs) It's a, a hot topic, and I never even considered myself a really... I don't love cold calling. That was never how I had my most success, but I feel strongly about how it should be done right. And I've talked to enough people who've had good success. And my success, I would always say, is not from cold calling. It's from a little more warm calling, but we'll get into all that. First things first, please introduce yourself and your company. Yeah, my name is Chris Jolly, aka The Freight Coach. I am the founder of C. Jolly Freight Consulting, LLC. And we specialize in sales and operations training within the transportation industry. I work with carriers and brokers alike and provide niche-specific training in regards to improving processes and really coaching through the cold call. And like, you know, because we all are faced with the same obstacles and objections on both sides of this industry. There's a lot of similarities out and it's really the main focus is helping people navigate through that because... The reality is in sales and then especially in transportation, what I've personally experienced over my 10 years as a freight broker is you're going to get told no or you're going to get a voicemail 99% of the time. But when you have somebody on the phone, how do you maximize that 15 second window? Because you don't get a minute, you get 15 seconds. Yeah. And Chris can charm a voicemail. So we will, we will talk about <laughs> that. So before we get into that, I know we touched on, you were on my podcast before, but touch a little bit on your background. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Just to give us a thumbnail of your career highlights before you transformed into the freight coach. Oh, definitely. I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm from a small farming community of 2000 people called Osceola, Wisconsin. It's about 60 miles northeast of Minneapolis, Minnesota. You know, after high school, I dropped out of college right away because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And then I finally got back into college when I was about 23 years old. And I went to uh, Chippewa Valley Technical College in Eau Claire, Wisconsin to start. And then I transferred into the University of Wisconsin Stout Campus in Menominee, Wisconsin to finish up my undergrad in management. After I graduated college, I legitimately knew I wanted to leave Wisconsin. I just wanted to try something new. Yeah, they were tired of you too. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) My older brother lived in Reno and I went out to visit one time and I was like, I want to get away. He's like, move to Reno. I'm like, all right. So my brother's brother-in-law was a really good friend of mine. His college roommate was the branch president of Osborne Hesse Logistics. So I applied online got hired over the phone. I packed up my truck and I moved out west. From Wisconsin, the farmland, out to the desert. Yeah. I had like no, I had $400 to my name when I moved out west. I slept on my brother's couch for the first two and a half months that I lived out here just because I had no money to live off of. And I had to build <laughs> up a little bit. And then uh, finally, one of my coworkers at the time who ironically turned into my boss later on because he started Unicron Logistics, you know, it was just that typical mid-20s house. There's four guys living there. And he's like, hey, one of these rooms is open. You want it? I'm like, absolutely. And yeah, that's kind of how I got my bearings wet. And you're living in your own place now? Yeah, with my fiance and my son. We have our own place. 
I got domesticated. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. So when did you start the freight coach? I started legitimately May 1st of 2020. I had went out on my own. I had resigned from my job legitimately about a year ago today. It's March 10th out. It was about a couple of weeks from now. And, you know, I'd resigned from my job because I felt like I had accomplished everything I could as a freight broker. Made my way up the ranks. I was a top performing sales rep. I was in leadership. I knew I didn't want to own my own freight brokerage, though, because I saw the struggles of a startup freight brokerage because that's who I worked for. And at my last stop, it was pure startup. I was employee number three. And I know the challenges that we went through and I knew that I didn't want to do that. So my whole plan was at the time to jump over to the asset side. I was going to sell on that side for about five years. And then I was going to make a play for senior leadership. I thought, heck, 15 years in the industry, who's going to say no to that? So I resigned from my job because I had about 10 interviews lined up on a Monday. And then by Thursday, COVID became COVID. And by Friday, all 10 interviews were postponed till July. So I was like, shoot, all right, what am I going to do with my time here? So that's when I got really heavily involved on LinkedIn, Joe, and I started networking because my whole thought process was, is if I'm going to have to wait till July, I need to be candidate number one at about 25 different places. So I need to meet absolutely everybody. And that's when I started realizing that there was a lot of misinformation about brokerage, in tr- primarily transportation on, on like in regards to social media. Yeah. There was a picture that was being painted that just didn't exist in my eyes. So I had started speaking out a lot about my experiences as a broker and because I had specialized in open deck and heavy haul for the last three years. Oh, okay. That's all yep. I did was RGN freight, flatbed building materials, construction equipment. Yeah, I like that you specialize though. That's the important thing. And that's where I really realized how to cut my teeth in brokerage especially when you're in a startup mode, like when you don't have the brand recognition behind you, Joe, it's tough to get in with customers anyways. But when you're a nobody out there, all the experience in the world doesn't matter. So I knew that I had to choose a niche. I had to choose something to separate myself from the 55 to 60 calls a day that my customers were getting from my competition. So that was one thing that I I knew I had to do. So like I was speaking about that, And then I had a pretty recognizable company reach out to me. They're like, hey, we love that you specialize in open deck. Can you talk to one of my sales reps about it? Because nobody in our company has any experience doing it. and We want to offer that. And I'm like, yeah, of course. You know, it's 30 days into my unemployment life. You know, it's the longest I've been without work since I was 13 years old. And I was like, all right, I'll talk to him. And best case scenario, they'll offer me a job, right? Job offer never came, but the light bulb went off that if they needed help with sales and operations training, who else needs help? So I filed my LLC because I was like, you know what? I got to make money somehow. And if I'm going to be sitting here till July, I, you know, maybe I can make a couple of bucks. But then I was like, that's what I wanted to do. Because like, ironically, when I first went to college, when I dropped out, I was going to be a teacher because I always wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> and it just came full circle. I just happened to teach freight now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, I went back to school. I got my master's in education too. My master's in education geared towards consulting and training. Yeah. So it was all about adults. It was never about teaching kids, but I was probably 37 when I graduated. Okay. So, so I already had kids in school, but yeah. So you always had that dream that you were going to be a senior management at some company, but now you're CEO over at Freight Coach. <laughs> I don't like using the term CEO. I'm just the dude who's here, you know, like, <laughs> well, it'll evolve into it one day, Joe, but you know, I'm just 
the best part I think about all of this is like what I've been able to learn about myself over the last year. And that was, you're the only thing that's stopping you from achieving anything. I still have a long way to go in the entrepreneur world and everything else. I have so much more to learn, but I'm the only one who was ever stopping myself from achieving anything in my life. I stopped myself. Nobody else did. Right. I should also say, if you're not already following Chris on LinkedIn, you need to connect with him or follow him because he is a great follow. That's how I think probably people all know him because he does post some really interesting videos, very insightful, entertaining. I mean, as you can tell, at some point I said, you know what? I had to reach out to this guy. You were on my podcast last summer, but it was great. But Anyway, onto the topic today. So the topic today is why cold callers fail with Chris Jolly. So when we were talking about this, I said, should we do why cold calling fails or why cold callers fail? And I like your answer. You said, no, Joe, cold calling doesn't fail. Cold callers fail. People are successful at this. I think one of the challenges is when you hear cold calling, everyone's like, oh, God, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work as well as it once did. We're not even going to say that it does. But I think the challenge and the problem with it, we're going to go through it, we're going to talk about it, is it's done wrong. And a lot of people are doing it wrong. And I feel bad for people who are kind of thrust into it, especially the guys who are 22, 23. And I've got a million of those phone calls. I don't do the sales training that I used to do. People would call me from the biggest names in this business and say, and it's funny because they went to school and then they said, is this my life? I just went to school. I graduated. Now I'm banging the phones. And I think they get a little bit of training and the training says you make a hundred phone calls a day. But the challenge is it doesn't talk enough about some of the other things that you need to do. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So what is the first reason this cold callers fail? Not cold calling. Why do cold callers fail? To me, they have no substance on why they're calling. They are calling because it's another phone number on their list. At that point, you don't even know why you're calling. So it's a poor message, poor substance. They have no substance. They said, hi, I'm calling because you're on my list and I would like to sell you some trucking services or some freight broker services. And so they got no message. And part of this, and I think this is one and one A, part of this is they don't have a specialization. They don't have a niche. So As a result, when they're calling, they're not saying, I'm calling because I specialize in retail or in working with manufacturers, working with cement companies or working with e-commerce players. Nope. They say, I'm everything to everybody. Do you have freight? Because I move it. (laughs) I mean, that's exactly it. It's like, you're not the best at everything. And I think that like that's a message that's oversaturated. It's like being a Swiss army knife isn't useful in freight, in my opinion. Right. You lived it. Yeah, I did. And that's where I really started seeing the success in freight sales was when I was really freaking good at one thing. And, you know, because it's like, I don't care what technology you have at your disposal. It is very difficult to accurately quote outbound reefer freight in one region of the country, outbound dry freight in one region of the country, and open deck freight in another region. And I know there's going to be somebody listening to this, Joe, they're like, oh, I have the tools for that. I can do that. Just because you can provide a price doesn't mean it's effective. And there's a big misconception with that. And I've had Jim Beerfeld on the podcast before, and he does this shipper survey. And he said, one of the things that shippers say to him when they ask about, what do you think of 3PLs? He said, they don't know my business. I'm just a number and a name on a list. And they feel that. And so much better to say, hi, I'm calling because I specialize in working with cement companies. I work with four other cement companies. I understand the unique needs of those cement companies. We would like to help you because that's what we do. Well, that's a lot better than, 
hey, what's your freight look like? Spend 15 minutes educating me on what you do. And so then you can hang up on me. It's nonsense. And I said this to you earlier. This was kind of play acting a little bit, but we've all gotten calls from banks, right? It's the bank just says, we have free checking. Oh my God, free checking. I've never heard that before. We have credit cards and debit cards. You're like, yeah, that's fantastic. It means nothing. It truly means nothing. But if they could give you something that was specific to you, and I used the example when I was talking to you, Chris, is, hey, we're a bank and we have this specialization, a niche that we work with. They have a special program. We work with young entrepreneurs and we understand you have a small business. And here's the specific service we have. And you're going to have to cater your business a little bit, but why wouldn't you do that? And if you're an individual, maybe your company doesn't specialize, but you can. <laughs> you can become the guy who says, I work with retail. I work with e-com. You can hit your KPI call volume by calling one type of customer or one profile of customer. And I just think that there's, when it comes to an industry that's as large as ours, Joe, there's so much at your disposal that you think that you have to just be a jack of all trades. And that's just so far from the truth. And it's like, now I'm not saying you can't evolve out from there, but when you're really cutting your teeth and getting started in this, you need this niche. And then from there, that's where you evolve out from, you know, because it's like to start where it's like, hey, this is what we specialize in. But it's like, you know what, if you're a special, if you specialize in, you know, construction equipment, for example, but for some reason, your client comes to you and says, hey, I have a refrigerated move here. We have some chemicals, non-hazardous that have to be maintained at 40 degrees. Can you do that? 1,000% you can do that. I did a podcast with our buddy, Kevin Hill. and yeah, was, I love Kevin Hill. <laughs> me too. So we did something on the niches have riches and this idea of logistics market segmentation. And if you look websites now for the, the leaders, you can go to C.H. Robinson, you look at their website, they have legitimate market segments and they have leaders within each one of those. And maybe your company says, we don't do that. We just, that's fine. You become that guy because this is how I feel about it. We won't always need a ton of freight brokers and 3PL guys to connect trucks to loads. So what you want to be is say, I'm a retail supply chain guy, or I'm a construction supply chain guy. I'm whatever it is, understand the business from order to cash. That's who I want to work with. Don't tell me how you can move something from point A to point B. I'm looking at order to cash. So if you're calling a shipper, that's how they look at the world. They don't look at the world as this transactional move. Yes. I mean, they know why you're calling. Right. Like they know why you're like, hey, can we talk about your freight? Come on. You can't position yourself to be told no, like right away. That's a yes or no question. Can I talk to you about your freight? Absolutely not. Have a great day. You know, they don't even say that. They'll put some choice four letter words in there and then you'll be off the phone and get hung up on. It's not even that dramatic. You just don't talk to anybody is what it comes back to. So anyway, the first few things we talked about here was poor substance, no message, right? So you've got nothing to say. And that's partly because you're trying to be everything to everyone. You can't do that. No specialization, no niche. You again, you're good at everything and they don't believe it. And then what's the next one you want to talk about? The next one, and to tie all of this together, is you don't even know what they produce. So when you don't specialize in anything, when you have no substance behind your message, you're going to make this mistake. You're going to say, I want to talk to you. You're going to offer drive-in services to a frozen food shipper. That's what you're going to do. You know, because all you know about is what you do and you're the best at everything. We do really good drive-in freight. And they're going to be like, we have frozen chicken. What is drive-in freight going to do for us? Right. You haven't done the research. You've, yeah. And this business is very inward looking. A lot of times you hear people call and say things like, I have 
15,000 trucking companies in my network. And we have this great technology and we have 800 of our own trucks. So what? It's inward looking. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to say, again, getting back to it, I'm going to research these guys. I'm going to understand their problems. I'm going to be able to call and say, hey, I understand you're in retail and it's COVID times. A lot of retailers that we work with are having the following problems. If you're having some of those problems, let us help. might be an email. It might be a podcast you went on. This doesn't have to just be a cold call. You should have an understanding of not only the industry, but the problems they're going through right now. And COVID is a perfect example. I agree with that. And it's like one thing I did when I specialized in open deck and heavy haul freight, I would talk about the add-ons to those shipments. I wouldn't even mention anything other than the fact I would let them know what my drivers were equipped with. I would let them know that they had chains and straps. They all had PPE and, you know, and all of those things because those are the problems that shippers have in that segment is drivers show up without straps. They have chains for a load that needs to be strapped. They don't have edge protectors. The drivers are showing up in flip-flops and shorts and it needed to be PPE. You know, you needed to have steel-toed shoes. I wanted to talk to them about that stuff. I wanted to talk to them about the fact that all my drivers carried four, six, and eight-foot tarps. I wanted to let them know about that stuff because it's like when you specialize in something, you have something to talk about then right. <laughs> instead of I'll do everything for you. Because it's like, you can't say, can I talk to you about your problems? What are you, a therapist? You know, like you, you can't do that. I think you can do it with, the, this is what I always think, if you have some existing clients, if, so if you right now said, I have to create a specialization, look around and say, what are we best at? And maybe say, look, I got to a company that seems to do pretty well in industrial shipping. We're doing a lot of industrial. And maybe you got some kind customers who are willing, well, why you buy from us? What makes us different? Why'd you choose us, right? If you can get to that place, and if you look at Adam Robinson, what he's done, when he was at Saracis, he talked to everybody in the company when he got there to understand, and that was like 40 people. But he tried to do that every year where he had a conversation, not only with the people internally, what are we good at? What are we doing well at? But also with customers. And then to be able to describe their problems. I'll tell you, you go on LinkedIn, you listen to someone. There's a lot of people like yourself who are sharing great content. You can learn a ton about what the problems an industry is facing. And then start building that list. Start being a supply chain expert for whatever the supply chain you're calling. Not just the guy who moves a truck from point A to point B. I know. And that it's just like such a bare bones, broke approach to take. And It's just, to me, it's like before you even dial a phone number, you better know everything about that company. And you can find it all out in less than two minutes because we have this phenomenal tool called Google out there that you can click on and research these companies. And that's the thing is like, there's a lot of lead generation software out there for you that you can just click on the company name and it pulls up information about them. And like, at that point. I got a buddy, Steve Elway, has been on the podcast a number of times. He's an excellent sales guy. And when we have, I've talked to him many times about this topic, he'll always say the same thing. Oh, I don't cold call. He says, I call people, but I don't cold call anybody. He says, I research. I spend a lot of time. And when I decide I'm going to talk to this guy, this guy, and this guy, I talk to those guys. And I have something to say to them. I understand their industry. I understand the current problems the company's having, and I call specifically to talk to them about those problems. He said, so it's not a million calls. I don't have a hundred people to call. He goes, I have these guys to call. This is going to segue great into our next point (laughs) of all this stuff is another main reason why I think cold callers fail is because of, you know, tie in the previous three points is they don't have any confidence. (laughs) Yeah. Why should they? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because it's like when you're just out here calling to call, Like, what are you really believing in at that point? You know, 
And it, and I just think like confidence is something that is built over time. And that repetition of calling the same profile, you're going to start picking up little things and your confidence is going to grow. Like we had mentioned prior, like everybody's uncomfortable cold calling. Like, I, like even the most, your buddy who you're just mentioning right there, I have a feeling that there's still some of that little gut creeps in that you're like, ah, how is this going to go? But after you've done all that research, you're going to make the call. <laughs> exactly. You're at least going to make the call. And then your confidence builds up when you're going after one thing where it's like, you're going to know how the conversation is going to go. You're going to pick up these cues because shipping managers, whomever that it is, you're going to be able to tell their, from the tonality in their voice, how the, how the flow of the conversation is going to go or how they are as a personality. You know, but here's the thing for anybody out there, if you're new into this space, not everybody out there is going to mistreat you. Get that fear away because like the overwhelming majority of time that I've cold called somebody, even if they've hung up on me, they're like, ah, you know what? We're just not interested. And then they'll hang up the phone. Very rarely, like there's a couple of times that I've got slammed on or, you know, cursed out. And, but very rare, the overwhelming majority, I would say with confidence, 90% of the time that I had spoke with somebody on the phone, they were pretty pleasant. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to talk to me at that time, but they were at least pleasant. So remove that. Like, is there a chance that it's going to happen? Yeah. No one's going to kill you. <laughs> exactly. Don't let that affect your psyche at all. Right. Yeah. And when we say lack of confidence, no self-belief. And if you were thrown into this, and this is sometimes the challenge, we have the youngest people in the business doing this. And the people who should have told them better didn't. In a lot of ways, you got thrown into the deep end. But what really should have happened is the company said, it should, hey, let's sit down. Here's some of the areas we specialize in. Here's who you should be calling. Let's start to educate you on the supply chains and the areas of specialization that we focus on, as opposed to you feeling as if, hey, I guess, uh, I guess it's sink or swim time. And I think it also feels really good when you say, yeah, they hired 10 guys with us. We had a half a day of training. Eight of those guys are quit or have been fired. <laughs> and I'm not so sure I'm making my numbers. It feels like yesterday's news. I mean, it's funny. I have two daughters. And I remember one of my daughters interviewed with a logistics company after she graduated. And I remember she said, oh, they gave me money to go to Chicago. Surprise, surprise. And she said, yeah, I'm just going to hang out with friends in Chicago for the weekend and do the interview. And I said, are you going to take the job? She goes, what, make 100 phone calls a day? <laughs> she goes, I think I'll go work at the VC or at the consulting company. Thank you very much. I was like, makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. I mean, making 100 phone calls a day is very attractive compared to those. But No, definitely. And I think like any, any sales manager or leader out there, practice what you preach. Get out there and show them how it's done. Like, I believe in that hands-on approach. If I'm training you to how to do this business, I will gladly jump on the phone and make a couple of calls with you. Because if I believe in what we're selling, you're going to at least have a meaningful conversation. And if you've done your research and you said, look, our company really does have this great specialization. We understand retail better than anybody. We work with Target and Lowe's and Home Depot. And we're looking at Kroger. And when they say, why should I work with you? You say, well, why wouldn't you? Everyone else is, right? That's where you want to get to. Now, not everybody's there. And maybe you have to look around and say, do we have an area of specialization? Maybe it's, we got one customer that we make more money on and we seem to serve them better. Understand why, understand that, make that your specialization. And, and there's no reason you can't switch specializations either. But you got to get in this mode of stop being a trucking guy and start being a supply chain guy. I think that's a big part of it. So what's the next one? 
I like this one. This was a big ink for you. This one is huge to me because we all know that the stats are out there. Nobody follows up. Okay. <laughs> like just because you get a voicemail and leave a voicemail does not mean they don't have an opportunity. I live by this motto that I'm going to follow up till I die or I find out they died. It's that simple. But if you've done the research and you said, look, I spent an hour finding the right guys and I got 10 on the list. I'm going to talk to each one of these guys. You're not going to give up. But if you say, I have a list of a thousand names, I have to call 110 a day, then it's on to the next one. You're looking for low hanging fruit that isn't there. Exactly. The excitement's not in your voice. Back to there's no substance or, hey, I'm calling and can I talk to the shipping manager? So the follow-up will happen if you've done the research and say, look, I know these guys. They got to talk to me. I'm the right guy for them. (laughs) Exactly. And you're excited about it because you know, without saying you're the best, you know you're the best at that. Like I knew I was the best at the region that I operated in. And I'll throw it all out there. Reno, Nevada, Los Angeles, over to Phoenix, back up to Reno, open deck freight. I was the best at that. And I knew I was the best at that. But I never had to say it because I was confident in my abilities because I knew what I was talking about. I knew the service and the value I was bringing to the table at that time. And that's where it is. And it's like, and then when you're following up with people, like you're calling because you know you can help them. You never have to say, can I help you with your freight? No, I'm going to help you. And this is why I'm going to help you. Right. So we got a whole bunch of them. So the first we had this no substance, kind of poor message. I got nothing to say. That's partly because you don't have any specialization, no niche. That's kind of 1A and 1B. Then uh, we're inward looking. We didn't do any research. We're going to talk all about ourselves, our carrier network, our trucks, our technology, when we should be researching them and understanding their business. And then as a result of all this nonsense, we call with lack of confidence, we call with no self-belief, and you'd be delusional if you did have self-belief, you're doing all these things wrong. And then lack of follow-up means you don't call, you email them, follow-up next week. And you said there's a lot of statistics on touches, and there's a lot of statistics on, you got to call a few times. And again, if you truly believe in your service and then your research of that company, you're going to call back because you don't want to waste that time you've done on research. 50% don't follow up after the first point of contact. 50% of people. And it decreases from there. But then adversely, 80% of the business is one at eight points of contact or more. Right. So follow up. Follow up. (laughs) Be persistent. There's just so many tools at our disposal, Joel, that makes this easy. You're staring at your phone 80% of the time you're awake anyways. Set calendar reminders in there. Follow up with this person, that person. This lady's in charge of shipping. Kathy's in charge of this steel company. I'm following up with her today. Right. I also say this, the world's changing so quickly with uh, mobile phones. You can also text, right? I sometimes used to get messages back. You texted a landline, but usually don't see that anymore. Everyone's got a mobile phone. I've had that happen where it was like, I called, they didn't answer. I sent an email, they didn't respond. And then I emailed one more time and I got an out of office and their cell phone popped up. So I sent them a text. Hey, I got your out of office. You know, this is who I am. I'd love to talk to you. I got a response from that. They're like, hey, I actually barely checked my email or voicemail. I'd love to talk to you. Boom. Persistent. <laughs> yeah. Think of another angle. And, that, and this is going to kind of tie into our last point of this here. We're so reliant on one method of communicating, just cold calling or cold emailing, any of that stuff. So you're not looking at cold calling. It's just a phone call. You're looking at anything that's cold open. Yes. Exactly. And that's the thing is it's like LinkedIn, 
for example, how we met Joe, LinkedIn is so underutilized in that regard. You can find out everything about anybody on LinkedIn. So we talk about this over-reliance on just cold calling or just emailing or whatever. And I told you, I get a lot of cold emails. And a lot of them, they're not connected to me on LinkedIn. And I was like, why aren't you connected on me on LinkedIn? I could look at your profile and understand your company. And a lot of them are PR people. And I'm like, you're in PR. Why wouldn't you reach out to me via LinkedIn so I could look at your agency? But what's also, I love this method. You do a webinar and maybe you're talking to somebody about retail or whatever it is, moving construction equipment. And they aren't answering or they're not interested right now or they're not doing uh, quotes for a while. And then you say, we're doing a webinar or I'm doing a podcast moving construction equipment or the challenges with moving it or moving it across board or whatever it is, doing a webinar on that and then invite them. And they go, oh, wow, Chris Jolly isn't just a cold caller. This dude's an expert. He is doing this. And it's funny because webinars are not, it's not rocket science. And everybody thinks I got to go through marketing. Your marketing people would be delighted to hear you want to do that. And I used to do this. And I'll tell you, some of my best success cold calling was I get a webinar and then 100 people sign up, 40 to 70% will show up. But ahead of time, I look at those emails. I go on LinkedIn. I go, oh, Chris Jolly, he's a good guy. I send a quick note saying, Chris, you signed up for my webinar next Thursday. Do you have 15 minutes to talk? And of course, you feel like a little obligated because you signed up. And I'll say something along, I just want to understand why you signed up. And I swear, I've had this situation where people say something along the lines of, oh my God, I hate my 3PL. My 3PL is such a joke. And we're having this problem. And I was like, oh, and I don't have my sales hat on. I'm just trying to learn. And it's a great thing. So if you call the three or four or five really good leads prior to the webinar, because after the webinar, they might not show up to the webinar. Chances are they don't. They might show up, be turned off or not interested after. You call them beforehand. And then when you're in the webinar, you're like, hey, Chris Jolly, glad you could be here. Hey, Tom, good talking to you the other day. It's a great way to go. And again, now I'm taking myself off the phone. Now they see me in a different light that we're connected on LinkedIn. We're doing a webinar. It's a good way to go. There's just so many ways to get in front of your prospects and your clients without actually doing the old method of smiling and dialing, you know, and like information and everything is at our purest form of disposal right now. And I like speaking from experience, I put out content every single day, video content on LinkedIn and YouTube and Instagram and everything else. When I email people now, they'll reply, Hey, I've seen your videos. Right. On OnlyFans or... Yeah, on OnlyFans, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was not doing as well. Working on that, though. I need a niche, actually. That's my problem. I need a niche. But I just think that when you put yourself out there like that, the likelihood that somebody is going to see you and be familiar with you is going to take away that cold, awkward interaction. Dude, I'll throw another one's out there. Like if you go on LinkedIn and you say, hey, I just, I'm brand new, just got out of school. And now I got a cold call and I don't know anything about this. You join some industry groups and just, you can ask a question. You can connect with a few people and just people are willing to share what they know. Everyone's writing content. You can educate yourself a lot about an industry, but join your alumni group and say, hey, join this alumni group of the college I went to. Send somebody's quick note and say, hey, look, I'm brand new in this business, but I noticed you buy this. Would you consider helping a, an alum out? People are willing. 
Joe, that's another great point is I think people underestimate how much people actually want to help and who are willing to help. You just have to ask for it. Like you're never going to know if I need help with something unless I reach out because you're not going to be like, hey, Chris kind of looks like somebody who needs life advice right now. You know, <laughs> like I say this all the time. There's uh, I get a lot of people call me. I've had dads call me and say, hey, could you talk to my son or daughter? And I'm always I said. Everybody who's my age who has kids now entering the workforce, you're like, I'm willing to help anyone who looks their age, but everyone between 16 and 30 looks the same to me now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but by the time you're in your you know, late 40s and 50s, when you know something, you've had some experiences, you also recognize how hard it is to get those first few years in. So there's a lot of people who are willing to help if you reach out. The other thing I throw out there, people ask for help all the time. What I tell people is, Call me anytime you want after 5 p.m. Eastern. We've spoken about this. And then they don't call. And I always think you're not in that interest. You're playing. Exactly. You're looking for that quick fix at that point. Oh, you wanted the magic beans. Let me send them. I'll just put them in an envelope and you're all set. Anyway, I'm going to summarize this and then I want your final thoughts. So why cold callers fail with Chris Jolly? So poor message, no substance. They haven't done any research, no specialization. They don't have a niche. They're inward looking. They talk about themselves, how many trucks they have, their technology, and how many uh, carriers in their network. Nonsense stuff. Nobody cares. Well, they care at some point, but not at that point. Lack of confidence, no self-belief. And again, very understandable given what the first few were. Lack of follow-up. They aren't persistent enough, but if you did the research, you would be. This over-reliance on one method. People who talk to you on the phone are going to look you up on LinkedIn. And I say this to young people all the time. If you aren't on LinkedIn, you kind of don't exist. You're not really a person in the business world. So if you say, oh, yeah, I reached out to Joe and I think he's really interested. I look and go, there is a profile with no picture and they've got 14 connections. This could be fake. (laughs) It looks like nonsense. So you got to fill that stuff out, look professional, get on the program and do webinars, do podcasts, become very knowledgeable in that niche. Become easy. Yeah. Become easy to find. Right. Like you are. Yes, exactly. Final thoughts on this, Chris. I just think that no matter where you are in your career in regards to cold calling, practice what you are going to be doing. Like I'm such a massive proponent of this, you guys. And to get out there and practice the objections, because we all know we all are faced with the exact same objections. Just practice it and get comfortable with it because they're going to happen. There's nothing that all of the anxiety that you build up inside of yourself isn't going to make that objection go away. So believe in what you're finding, you're like what you're presenting. And it's like at the end of the day, it's going to struggle at first, but you're going to get more comfortable in it. Then your confidence is going to build up. You're going to have some substance and belief behind what you're saying. Utilize all of the tools that are at your disposal right now. There is so much information that can help guide and navigate you through whatever you're facing right now. I'm speaking from all of this based to the off of my experience, you guys. I was terrified of cold calling. My voice trembled. I didn't know why I was calling. I just knew I had to hit 100 calls. And when I flipped that in my head and I narrowed it down and I niched it down, that's when I started seeing results because I was having a different conversation at that time. And that is what I want each and and even if you're not in transportation and you're listening to this right now, niche, niche, niche. Plug and play any of these topics with anything that's relevant to your career. And just at the end of the day, 
when you believe in what you're actually trying to accomplish, it's going to come across in the tonality of your voice and your prospects and clients are going to like, they're going to know how excited you are at that point. Right. Do you want that confidence in your voice? You have to earn it. You have to earn it by saying, look, I am truly think I'm the best guy for the job. I think what we've created over here is great. I think you're losing out if you don't talk to me. Great stuff, Chris. I think appreciate it. So tell us before you go, what's new over at Chris Jolly Freight Coach? You know, the Freight Coach. The Freight Coach. Actually, what's really new is my son we changed my DBA. So it's like, it's actually Freight Coach Enterprises now. My son, Freight Coach Enterprises. <laughs> that's the name that he wanted. And, you know, and that was one thing I wanted to get him excited about in business and kind of grown this. So I told him, like, How old's he, your boy? He's nine years old. Cause he was like, Do you like Freight Coach Enterprises? And I'm like, Actually, I kind of do a lot. And he's like, So I was like, went and refiled my LLC for that. And that was exciting. And like, and he's proud of that too, because now he's a part of the business. And he's making 100 phone calls a day now. Exactly. He's got to learn. He's got (laughs) to learn, Joe. But, you know, other than that, it's been an exciting 10, 11 months into this journey of entrepreneurship and building it up. And that's not to say that I like, and it's not easy, but it's just been phenomenal to grow this business. And my podcast as well, if it's all right, if I plug it a little bit there as well. And yeah, please do. Coffee with the Freight Coach. It's been phenomenal just to see that kind of grow and evolve over a short amount of time. And that's, you know, kind of to tie in all these things right here. I listened to my earlier episodes, so the confidence wasn't there and everything else. And then through practice and repetition, they're getting better and better and better. And we'll put a link to your podcast in the show notes. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. And again, if you are not already following Chris, if nothing else you take from this, guys, follow Chris on LinkedIn because he's a great follow. And he shared just great ideas, just like you heard today. What kind of companies are you working with? Who do you serve right now? I work primarily with freight brokerages as well as carriers, trucking companies. And that's been a lot of, we just go in there and we do a lot of stuff like over Zoom. And it's it's a lot of, I'm coming in there to work with them through their sales process and their operations process. So, you know, to find those little inefficiencies, how do we can button those up and really make them gain back those lost minutes throughout their day of lost time. And it's really, you know, fixing that up. And then I'm also working with a couple of tech companies as well who are looking to roll out their product in there and they just need that firsthand knowledge of somebody who sat in those seats before they release that stuff out. I would say that's the main demographic. That's my niche is I'm a sales coach in the transportation industry. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's great though to have a guy like you come in because you bring a lot of energy. I think the nature of the job, I mean, sales is one of those jobs where if I was in operations and I said, hey, the vast majority of things I do fail, you'd be like, you're fired, right? But in sales, it's a business of failure. You're constantly failing. You make a lot of phone calls. You talk to a lot of people. You make proposals. You usually don't win. If you won 10 customers a year, somebody says, that's fantastic, right? So you need the guy like Chris come in with a little bit of energy and say, hey guys, let's buck up here. Like I can help you that sagging spirits, bring a few new techniques, a few new skills, motivation. Exactly. Like you said, the best sales reps out there, like some of the people that I follow out on the old interweb, you know, they'll talk about that. They're multi-million dollar sales reps. And they're like, I legitimately failed 99 out of a hundred times. Yep. You know what, Chris, I say this all the time regarding sales and it's regarding business in general, but if I have three really good opportunities, I'll go, Oh wow, those are three good ones. So those, they'd be great. And if one hits, Oh my God, that's great. I'll consider that a B. <laughs> I'll give myself a B for that. If Two hits, that's definitely an A. Two out of three, that's an A. 
If three hits, oh wait, three never hit. <laughs> if I have three good opportunities, three never hit. And I think that's just the mindset you get, which is, oh yeah, I can be happy for a minute that I have three good opportunities. One most likely. And if you get shut out and you get none, that's not abnormal. Yeah, exactly. So this is again, a business of failure. So you need a guy like Chris to come in and say, hey guys, not all is lost. This ship's not sinking yet. Exactly, there we go. <laughs> Well, Chris, thank you so much. What I'll do is I'll put a link to your podcast in the show notes. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and to your website over there at Freight Coach Enterprises. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me back, Joe. It's always a pleasure. And I thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. I should also mention, I told Chris this earlier, we are now doing videos. So some of this stuff is starting to pop up over on YouTube. You'll notice Chris and I are the two good-looking guys in the frame. So. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for your support. And until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at thelogisticsoflogistics.com. 